Welcome to the Fearless with Mark and Amber podcast, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. We are a husband and wife filmmaking team who two years ago set out on a journey to share the truth about how our community became known as the second largest abortion desert in the United States. We asked ourselves, could what was done to shut down the abortionists locally be a model for other communities across the country? We were determined to examine all aspects of the story, all the documented facts and the people involved, and even spending time talking to the abortionist himself. It's an incredible true story that leads to an even bigger piece of what's now a part of American history. 2,411 medically preserved human remains found at the home of Ulrich George Klopfer, who is the subject to focus in our investigative documentary film, Inwood Drive. We sat down with George in his Inwood Drive abortion clinic before his death, which is a perfect lead-in to what we're talking about today, the audiobook interview with the abortionist part one. Part one of the epic saga (laughs) interview with the abortionist. So this was originally uh, written as a blog series and... I tend to do that from time to time. And this was one of those examples I just. Epic writings. I just kind of started writing and, and it ended up going uh, over four weeks and, and, uh, we got a lot of response from it. People were quite intrigued by it. And this was Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of when we were doing the film. Right. So this was right after we had interviewed George and, uh, just kind of chronicling our experience and right, just sharing our thoughts, our journey and, and what actually took place. Yeah. So we decided that we would turn it into an audiobook, and we wanted to start sharing it with you. And this is part one that we're going to share with you today. Um, and I guess it's worth, it's worth noting why we did Inwood in the first place. And mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to why we started fearless features was because we wanted to start a filmmaking ministry to share stories of life, loss, and redemption through Jesus Christ. And Inwood Drive was an idea that we had um, many years ago. And the reason why we decided to do the film as a Fearless Features production Mm -hmm. was because... uh, we didn't want our ministry to necessarily be reliant on donations uh, forever. And we also didn't want to dilute the brand, if you will, right. by by trying to be reliant on big corporate donors. Because we've seen how that turns out. We've seen how that turns out. And and if and for those of you who are listening who work in the nonprofit world, you know exactly what we're talking about. We've worked in the corporate marketing world and also with a lot of nonprofits for many years through our mm-hmm. through our production work through uh, our for-profit production company Mark Archer Films. And we've just seen that a lot of times the big donations from foundations come with a lot of strings attached. Mm-hmm. We'll give you a million dollars, but we want to fire everyone and basically buy your brand and tell you how to live your lives. <laughs> we've right. seen that happen with a lot and, and we, we didn't want. So we, we were very we cautious to say the least. We, we didn't really, we didn't really want to take anybody's money because we really wanted this to be a very truthful, honest story and exposing the truth across the board. Right. No matter who, 
no matter who you take money from, when it's an investment, if you will, they always expect some kind of a return uh, and or control. And so Inwood Drive was done uh, to start that ball rolling where we wouldn't have to continue to rely on donations. We're working missionaries. We we do our we service our regular corporate clientele and then Inwood Drive was a project that has been done in our spare time Mm -hmm. and just out of love for following the lead of the Lord, which leads us into a couple of points setting up. We're going to, we're going to let you listen to part one of interview with the abortionist. And the couple of points to note here is number one, we talk in here about, um, standing out on Inwood and which was really the, the original inspiration for the film. You want to tell people about that? Well, we had our um, first daughter who was very young. Uh, what would you guess? She was maybe. She was maybe one. Maybe one. Yeah. And so this would have been back in 2010. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about it earlier, and I don't really remember why, what drew us down there. But I think there was just a lot of media and press coverage going on. Um, in the news. So mm, we decided, curiosity. right. We did, we just went down to see for ourselves what was actually taking place, what was happening, what does this look like? Because we've always been pro-life, but never really involved heavily in, in the, in the pro-life movement, I would say. Right. I, neither of us had ever been down to, to stand with protesters had never, right. never really protested anything. <laughs> right. I wouldn't really call it a protest. <laughs> I mean, we'd, we'd never gone and, you know, uh, even seen anything like that. And so there was, there was a lot of curiosity. What is this? Mm-hmm. What are they doing? I actually would see them out there, uh, on procedure days when I would go to the car wash down the street Yeah, and I would drive back down Inwood drive to come home and I would see them and I would always honk and wave, you know, in and, support, in support. Um, but I really wanted to know who are these people and what are they doing down there? Mm-hmm. So that's, um, that's the first part of what we discuss in part one. The second one is the importance of truth, uh, especially in, when you're talking about doing a what is really an investigative documentary film. And one of the big, I think certainly the most controversial decision that we made in the beginning of this, but what really ended up being the most important part of the film was the fact that we actually went and interviewed George Klopfer. Oh, my goodness the sort of the comments and hesitation that came from everyone who, who knew what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was, I think the most common, there was, there were two different camps. One was, um, I can't believe that he agreed to talk to you. Right. And the other camp was, I can't believe that you're even giving him the time of day. That was the, that was the one that was the most, the most prevalent was mm-hmm. why would you even why would you even give him the time of day to talk to him? Yeah, and not to be, uh, and and not to sound like I'm uh, talking down to people who believe in in the cause of this uh, as we did, but the we have to remember that especially as believers, we we stand on truth or we claim to stand on the truth of the gospel. And the truth extends far and wide, and that extends into 
what we do for a living, whether you're driving a truck or, you know, working as a nurse or, uh, telling stories through film, you have to be truthful. Mm -hmm. And the bottom line is that you can't be truthful in telling a story about, I mean, the story's about George. And you, getting him shut down. And how he got shut down. So you, you have to talk to, you have to have credible sources. And, and and why not go to the man himself? Yeah. And the truth is the most credible source about somebody like George is George himself. Now, what's the, the story of how we managed to even get in touch with him is... <laughs> <laughs> I admit I didn't really, I was, I was kind of in both camps. I, I didn't think that he would talk to us and I really didn't want to, but I knew that that was the price that we were going to have to pay to, to tell an accurate story, right? That we were going to have to let him speak for himself. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, I don't mean that we were going to give him a chance to try to convince us. Right? That wasn't going to happen. That wasn't going to happen. We, we knew, and he knew when we came in that that, that wasn't that was not we our there. objective. Our objective was we want to understand who you are and why you do what you do or what he did because he was shut down at that point. But, <clears throat> um, you know, the, the, the whole uh, the way that I got in touch with him was I was doing a pre-interview, which is where we go and we, we interview people that we're going to interview on camera. But we do it off camera first so that we can kind of establish so we do our research before we sit down and talk with them. And I was doing a pre-interview with Jeff Cly, who's another major character in the film. And we'll talk about him as we go. And he asked me if I was going to talk to Klopfer. And I said, well, I would <laughs> if I could find him. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Jeff gee, said, gee, that's too bad that, that you really don't know how to get a hold of him. Right. It's, a, it's kind of kind of my out. Right. Well, I would. But, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to really get in touch with him. And then he says, oh, I've got his number right here. So, you know, next thing I know, I've got Klopfer's personal cell phone in my in my phone. Right. So how about if we let them listen to part one? All right. Let's listen to part one of Interview with the Abortionist. This is an audiobook production of Fearless Features, interview with the abortionist, read by the author Mark Archer. This audiobook was originally published as a four-part blog series, which is also available as an ebook from fearlessfeatures.org. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Interview with the Abortionist, part one. I must have walked 20 laps around our home office, through my office, into the kitchen, down into the family room, turn around and circle back through the front hallway and then through Amber's office, returning to my desk once more. I had that feeling of extreme dread, like when you know you have to break up with someone or that they're about to break up with you coupled with that feeling of severe danger. Every time I would circle past my desk, I would stare at my phone. And it would stare right back at me. There was no doubt about it. I knew I had to talk to this man. I just didn't want to. Before I had taken my three-year sabbatical from film production... Amber and I had gone down one morning to stand with the protesters and the sidewalk counselors 
outside the abortion clinic on Inwood Drive on a procedure day. Standing there with our then-newborn oldest daughter, Elizabeth, watching women pull into the parking lot and walk into that clinic to pay abortionist George Klopfer to dismember and murder their baby. I was struck by the surreal setting of a modern-day Auschwitz on one side of the street and a gospel-preaching Baptist church on the other. The width of a city street was literally the only thing separating the living from the dead and the condemned. During World War II, the condemned were brought in by trains and unloaded into the gas execution chambers at gunpoint. This day, the condemned were brought in by car, safely inside their mother's wombs, and protected by law for the sole purpose of their execution. This is a movie. I remember thinking to myself that very day, and it would be called Inwood Drive. It's good versus evil, separated only by the width of a city street. And with that trip, back in the spring of 2010, the script was written. It would be another eight years, however, before that story, filed away in my mental file cabinet, would be revived and put into production as Amber and I were preparing ourselves for the imminent arrival of our third daughter, Caitlin. I don't doubt that Babies on the Brain contributed to our decision to put Inwood Drive into development in July of 2018. But for certain, we did it because we knew the Lord was directing us to do it. Of all the film projects I've ever done in 30-plus years of a career in filmmaking. I've never been more sure of any film in my life. Now, this day, I found myself staring once again at the phone, contemplating the phone call to George Klopfer, the infamous abortionist himself, to offer him the opportunity to be interviewed for a feature film all about him and his eventual downfall. Trying to put aside my feelings towards a man I had never met but knowing full well what he had made a career of for over as long as I had been alive. I closed my eyes and asked the Lord for strength. Help me to do this, Lord. I know you didn't bring me this far for me to sit on my hands. I opened my eyes and reached for my phone. I never imagined that I would have the personal cell phone number of an abortionist stored away in my contacts list on my iPhone. But there it was. As I pressed the dial button, my heart started to pound. The phone rang. Don't answer, don't answer, don't answer, don't answer, please don't answer. The phone rang some more, then went to voicemail. My pulse dropped a few notches. I, I figured if I left a quick voicemail, there was no way that he would ever call me back. But. At least I could say that I tried, and I was off the hook for good. The automated voicemail message beeped. I took a deep breath. Hello, Dr. Klopfer. My name is Mark Archer. I'm a film producer, and I'm working on a documentary feature film about your abortion clinic in Fort Wayne and how you were eventually shut down. Since a lot of this film is about you and your practice as an abortionist specifically, I thought I would reach out to you and see if 
you would be willing to talk with me, you can reach me back on my cell. And I hit that big red button on the iPhone to hang up. A pause of silence. My heart was still racing. Okay, done. Glad I got that over with. As the phone lit up and began to ring, my heart dropped as I looked at the caller ID. George Klopfer. Now I have to talk to him. I threw a few punches in the air in frustration. Then I picked up the phone. Fine, whatever. Let's just get this over with. I let it ring one more time, then swiped right to answer. Hello, this is Mark Archer. To my surprise, a pleasant voice came from the other end of the line. Yeah, hi, this is George Klopfa. You just called me. I swallowed hard as I took a deep breath, then launched into Mr. Producer mode. Yeah, Dr. Klopfer, how are you? My name is Mark Archer. I'm a film producer. I'm working on a feature documentary film about you and your abortion business and your battle in Fort Wayne and across the state of Indiana. I wondered if I might ask you some questions. To my total shock, George was one of the more pleasant people I had talked to in such a setting, especially considering the fact that I was telling him flat out that I was making a movie about his demise as an abortionist. I never expected him to call me back, let alone have a pleasant conversation with me about it. After a few minutes of conversation, I asked him if we could sit down with him and talk in more detail because I was really interested in getting his side of the story and letting him speak on his own behalf. He agreed, and we set a time for just a few days away to go to his now-defunct clinic in Fort Wayne to have a sit-down conversation with him. Okay, we'll see you on Thursday morning at 9 a.m. then at your clinic on Inwood. Yeah, okay, that sounds fine. Just knock on the door when you get here. I'm happy to talk with you. I hung up the phone again, but this time I stood in silence for a moment. Alrighty then, I guess this project just got real. When Amber came home a few hours later, I broke the news to her. We both looked at each other for a moment, processed the fact that we were really doing this, and we were really going to go into the den of darkness and talk to the abortionist himself. Amber got excited. You know what? That man needs Jesus. I can't wait to talk to him. Like it or not, he's going to hear the gospel before we leave. And hear the gospel he would. After the two of us faced him down squarely for over an hour. My goal going in to talk to George was simple. What's done is done. I can't change the fact that this man has taken the lives of literally tens of thousands of babies. It's a documented fact, whether I like it or not. As a filmmaker, it is my job to tell the truth and to be objective about doing so. Of course, I have my opinion about what he's done. That's the whole reason I felt compelled to tell the story. But I still must answer to the Lord for my being truthful in everything I put on screen. Being truthful means confirming your sources, and the best way to confirm a source about someone is to talk to that someone. I was determined to give George that chance, whether I felt like he deserved to be heard or not. I'm not going in to see if he can convince me of anything. I would tell the few individuals that we shared the news with before we met with George. I'm going in to let him speak for himself. I may not like him or what he's done, but I'm not going to fabricate stories about him based on conjecture and hearsay. 
If I do that, I'm no better than Michael Moore or 95% of the media. Whatever my mind can imagine about his reasons for doing what he's done, I imagine it's 10 times worse. And what a prophetic statement that would be. We never could have imagined, however, just how much sadness we would feel for a man like George Klopfer. We never could have imagined just how much our hearts would hurt for how lost and deceived he was and how in need of Christ's forgiveness he truly was. As we prepared ourselves mentally and spiritually for our conversation in just a few days' time, we both could feel the darkness closing in all around us as we prayed fervently for the light of Christ to go before us. We were about to experience the very heart of darkness. So there you have it. There's part one, part one of four of interview with the abortionist. And uh, the interesting uh, aspect to going and trying to set up this appointment to talk with him and, and, and how easy it was to get him to agree mm-hmm. to sit down with him. But your first reaction when I told you, because you were gone, you and the girls were gone. I was so excited. And you were Why were you excited? I was excited because, you know, at the end of the day, he is still just a man in need of Christ. And that was that's all that matters in this life and in this world is your your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so for me, it was just my way to go in and sit and talk to him. I mean, I can talk to people all day long. But you just know that he needs to understand that he can be forgiven, that there is forgiveness, even for a man like George Klopfer, who is an abortionist. And it's like we always say, love the man, hate the sin. Absolutely. And we had to go in. And I think that was the thing when we told people that we were going to go in and talk to him. There were a lot of people that their initial reaction was was very sharp. It was, oh, you shouldn't even let him speak. Mm-hmm. And and, and we, what was uh, confusing, I think, to both of us was that we didn't look at it as that we were giving him an opportunity to give his opinion. We were going in because we're commanded to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. The film and our purpose for going in there just gave us an excuse. Right. What other what other opportunity are two people going to have to go in to the abortion clinic itself and oh, yeah. sit down hey, with him? Hey, by the way, I just want to come and hang out. <laughs> and tell him about Jesus. It just, it, it wouldn't happen. So that's that's the, the uniqueness of being in the position that we were. You know, but, but there is... There is someone who did meet with him on a regular basis. That's true. Who did go in and sit and talk to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it can have you, you just loving people. Yeah. Yeah. But there were a lot of people that their approach and, and even now their approach in dealing with them. I listen, I understand we're all we all want an end to abortion. We all understand that. But screaming at them and and, you know, calling them. Are they baby killers? Yeah. But screaming that at them isn't isn't sharing the gospel with them. And so our our approach was we have a good excuse to go in and have a civil discourse mm-hmm. with this man. We don't like him. We don't agree with him. But we're going to go in and, and he's also going to hear an awful lot about Jesus. Right. So, you guys, we hope you enjoyed part one of the audiobook interview with the abortionist. And if you want to listen to the rest of the book, you can visit our homepage at fearlessfeatures.org. And for a gift of $5 or more to our ministry, you can enjoy 
all four parts today. The book is 45 minutes in length, and you'll hear exclusive audio from the only interview ever conducted with abortionist Klopfer before his death. You don't want to miss it. And I would add that there's audio in the audiobook that's not even in the film. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there wasn't. It gets intense. We interviewed him for well over an hour, and there wasn't enough time. He 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 covered so much ground. <laughs> he, he, I can't even begin to tell you the the nonsense that we had to cut out because yeah, it didn't and there's make any a sampling sense. of it on on the homepage fearlessfeatures.org there is a sample of it mm-hmm. so thank you for joining us come back next week for part 2 have a blessed week you guys bye bye